0: All right, it's time to talk a little n b a basketball. Let's go ahead and get out to the zone phone joining us now makes the magic happen for basketball insiders. He is Eric Pincus Eric thanks for joining us. How are you Oh, I'm doing well thanks for having me So what kind of madness are we in for for the next <laughs> couple of weeks? How crazy is it gonna get?
1: I mean it's just a a full off season condensed into what we have training camp in a couple weeks. <laughs> I mean, I think it's 15 days or yeah, it's about 15 days till training camp. So we are, we are going to have a lot of deals in a record time just because of a clock. Uh, so is it going to be a more wild summer? Are there going to be more moves than any other summer or off season? I guess there's no, this isn't summer anymore. Uh, I don't know if it'll be that outrageous, but in the amount of time it's going to be crazy because you've got 30 teams that have to go through the draft immediately turn around uh, and do free agency. This is the best time of the year to make trades uh, It's actually there are more trades this time of year than there are even at the trade deadline And then you've got to get your your game plan together based on your roster which you don't know what it's going to be <laughs> And you have to start getting training camp prepared and get guys in it past physicals and all these kind of things uh, Yeah, I, I could I'll say this teams in front offices are basically freaking out and it's chaos, but it's fun <laughs> They're getting paid for it. They're doing the You know, most of them are doing the job they love. And so I don't think they're complaining to get basketball back.
2: Well, we know about the Chris Paul thing, and we've heard rumors about James Harden and what's going to happen there. I mean, do you expect seven, eight, like, big, big kinds of deals? Or do you think that that's just uh, just a few that are going to be sprinkled here and there and the rest is going to be uh,
1: sort of mid mid-range kind of stuff? Well, under a normal, busy offseason, uh, teams have cap room, at least in recent years, but we don't really have that this year. There aren't uh, more than a handful of teams that have real cap space, and some might, uh, like the Suns might be able to get to cap space before they trigger the deal, uh, but they have to lose certain players like Dario Saric, or uh, you just look at all these teams with different player options and, and decisions. For instance, the Heat, do they bring back Goran Dragic? Uh, Do the Raptors bring back Fred Van Vliet? Uh, But if most players stay and there aren't a lot of options as where to go, the only real teams with cap room are the Knicks, uh, the Pistons, the Hornets, and the Hawks. And most of those teams, certainly the Knicks, would like to be a a playoff team, but I don't think they're rushing to do so because they're pretty far. Same with the Pistons and the Hornets. I mean, none of those teams are ready-made to say, okay, let's go get a star. Or overpay, so yeah, they'll pay some players. Maybe they'll go after Fred VanVleet, one of those teams. But uh, there just aren't a lot of teams. I mean, the Hawks are at least a, a team that want to make that push and at least have a star and in in, uh, in Trey Young. But it, the rest of the league doesn't have that much money to spend, just based on the rules, is they're over the cap. And so that would suggest that if you want to get better, the only real way to do it is to trade. And so we, when you have down years, when it comes to spending, you should have more trade movement, so we could see some blockbusters and you know we've heard the uh, we we've already had uh, of course the room the rumor uh, or at least the report at this point which sounds like it's happening that Chris Paul's going uh, to the Suns he's one of those names where it's a massive contract he's one of the most expensive players in the league and he's being dealt we'll, we'll see what happens with another one in Russell Westbrook uh, if James Harden really wants to wants to push out now, the the Rockets don't have any necessarily an incentive to force anything they can be patient uh but they're if, if teams are going to go after those guys well especially James Harden they're going to have to give up a ton you, you they'll, they'll probably be happy to let Russell Westbrook go especially if they're trading James Harden they may not charge much but uh in trade but uh, if you're going to try to get James Harden they're going to ask for an arm and a leg and then some.
0: Eric, the salary cap stays the same. The luxury uh, tax stays the same as last season. The Jazz are already over the salary cap, uh, owing uh, roughly $118 million next year. Uh, Jordan Clarkson is a free agent, and as you know, he was extremely key uh, to the Jazz having success last year, and his role off the bench was was desperately needed. How hard do you think it's going to be for the Jazz to retain him? How painful will that be?
1: (laughs) Well, that goes back to the conversation of of who has money to offer, and if it's only those teams that I mentioned. uh, Do the Knicks go hard after Jordan Clarkson? I I like Jordan, but I don't think he's – he shouldn't be one of your top two players. If he's your third or fourth best player, sure. But you shouldn't be building your team around Jordan. He's a really nice scorer off the bench, and he could start if you need him to. Uh, I'm fond of Jordan. I covered him in L.A. and spent a lot of years with him, so I, I think highly of him. Uh, but like the Pistons, is, are, are they at a place where they should be doing that kind of move? To me, Charlotte, should they be? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, uh, well, Mitch Kupchak drafted or at least traded for the pick for, for Clarkson, so at least there's a tie there. Uh, so if, if none of these teams are offering real money, well, then the rest of the market, the rest of the money that these teams have range from either 6 to $10 million. I'm, I'm rounding, but in, the, in that range in the first year. And so that's the kind of money that Clarkson would be offered. And so it, that's not terrible, obviously, if you're Utah and you can get him for that. But they would have to pay more than that. Otherwise, he'll probably just sign for a short time uh, or maybe go somewhere else briefly and then look for a free agency next year. So maybe take $10 million somewhere else and then look to cash in the next year. So if they're serious about keeping him, then I, I feel like $13, $14, 15000000 million dollars a year in that range is reasonable. Uh, he, he you taking uh, that's that's not bad money right now i don't know where his mind is and what he wants to do but to me i feel like 15 million dollars a year is about right to make sure he doesn't leave and, and take a short-term deal in free agency
2: so eric uh unbeknownst to you i have now taken your mind taken it out of your body and put your mind in dennis lindsey's body all right And uh, Rudy Gobert, his people come to you and say, uh, if we don't get the Supermax, we want something awfully close to it. What do you say?
1: Boy, um, the challenge is that it's it's hard to win in the NBA with a center. Uh, And Rudy is a very specific one because he's not a high scoring one and he does contribute to the offense in other ways. And he is so good defensively that he can play on the floor more so than a lot of other bigs. When it comes to end of games and, and needing a stop, he's not a, a defensive liability. You, you look at someone like Nikola Jokic, and he's a, a probably the, the the best offensive center all around as far as passing and scoring and whatnot. But there are some defensive issues that that team has to work around with him, and, and you don't have that. So when you say supermax for a guy who's Best asset is his defense, and yes, he's a, a cornerstone piece. I I don't know if I would go there, and and the the key is is that no one else can offer the the supermax to him. So why, if I'm the Jazz, am I obligated to pay him that when it's not the market and what he does isn't as valued league wide, whether the Jazz value him or not? It's not the point. League wide centers just aren't as important as they used to be. You Certainly, you go back 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. I mean, for, for decades, that was the most important position. And it just hasn't been that way for a long time. And so I, I'd want to see what he gets in, in offers. I'd want to, if the priority is keeping him, see who has uh, the kind of cap room and, and read the market at the time when he gets to free agency. Uh, keep a strong relationship because you know Dennis Lindsay is a very personable guy. He's a good communicator. He knows how to... Uh, nurture relationships make sure that you're on the same page and so if there is interest and if there's money out there that's going to Rudy then they match it or beat it by a small amount but I don't know about supermax I just to me I don't see the need to do that for for someone at his position as valuable as he is it's not the most valuable position in the NBA
2: so, would you let me follow up on that? Would you negotiate, try to negotiate with him now because you don't want to go into that situation where he becomes a free agent? Uh, or do you, and if he's unwilling to meet you where you want to go, do you trade him? What, what would you, what, what's the appropriate thing to do?
1: Well, it's, it's an exploration of, of what how far off is he from where the Jazz would be. If he's adamant that it's Supermax and that's all he wants, if you trade him, he can't get the Supermax. So right. there's there's a point where he has to uh, find a compromise and there's a point where the Jazz have to find a compromise. And if that compromise doesn't exist and they know this early, th- th- this is the sort of thing that you want to negotiate as early as possible. The closer someone gets to the end of their contract, the harder it is to get value back uh, because those teams will typically just wait a year, wait till – wait until he's a free agent, and then you know, pay him, and then you don't have to trade all your pieces, but you know, there's there's value, like the Lakers uh, tried to trade for Anthony Davis, and they ended up using, you know, using Caproom. They were better off using Caproom than trading all their pieces, and they ended up trading anyway for him, so I'm saying, but uh, they could have waited another year, but you, you have to try to win now. You go team by team, and there's a value in waiting it, it, situationally, based on where your team is, but I, to me, get a deal as close as possible to the number, and if you could lock him in, great. If you're close and have a good relationship, but you're not quite there, you don't have to trade him. You could delay it and nurture that relationship and try to work something out, uh, because he's he's a very good player and he's he's very valuable to the organization. But the money is just too much where it hamstrings. And you know, I don't know where the Donovan Mitchell Rudy Gobert relationship is. I hope it's uh, if if it is if it was damaged as reported. I'm hoping it's long since repaired, uh, but it, you, that, that's also crucial to make sure that that team is that your two stars, your two best players are, are uh, on the same page and, and able to communicate and, and want to win together. I think that's a valuable piece as well.
0: Eric Pincus is with us from Basketball Insiders, and this is the last thing uh, from me, Eric, but uh, we've alluded to the Chris Paul trade, uh, reported trade a couple of times. Uh, interested to get your analysis of the deal. It felt like a real win-win to me, uh, given the direction of both franchises, but what were your thoughts?
1: I mean, that's fair. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't look at the Suns and say they're a top three team in the West or top two or whatever, but I do think that they have a shot to contend for the playoffs. They weren't that far off. Uh, from making a lower seed, they'll compete with uh, some of the teams like the Grizzlies and, and, and the teams certainly over overtake the Thunder, who were really good this year, but are, are obviously going in a different directions. So uh, Devin Booker is one of the, the best scorers in this league, uh, and he's been sort of overlooked because he's he has not a very good team around him. Uh, I thought Ricky Rubio was great for them, and I thought that um, the template was there for how they can win. And you're basically upgrading from Rubio, who's a very, very solid and a very good point guard, but not nearly as good. Although he's younger, he's not nearly as good as Chris Paul. So it's an upgrade there. They didn't give up uh, necessarily any pieces that they – they were already going to move out from Oubre. He wasn't – Kelly Oubre wasn't there in the bubble anyway when they were really, really good. Uh, And the draft pick – I mean, this is a team that's been swimming in picks and and drafting forever. It's like at some point you've got to try to push. Uh, For the Thunder – Clearly, it's time uh, to to rebuild. They're not going to reinvest in Danilo Gallinari. Uh, they they weren't going to reinvest uh, a year later with Dennis Schroeder, so they're trading him to the Lakers, et cetera, et cetera. So it's time. So they got another pick. Uh, they got a couple of salaries that they can they can try to trade Rubio. Uh, they can trade uh, Ubre again and get more for it. So maybe another pick or something. So they're collecting as many draft assets. It's not really a destination market in Oklahoma City, uh, but they've done a really, really good job of uh, going from where they were back a long time ago in the NBA Finals to losing stars and then to trading and staying competitive and still putting out a good product. But I think it's time for them to be really, really bad <laughs> for a little bit. And uh, when they hit the the, the draft, they're going to have like, I don't know, they got like 20 picks or something in the next few years. It's insane.
2: So, Eric, if, uh, if James Harden wanted to play for your team, uh how how, uh, how eager would you be if you were the nets to uh to make that become a reality so that you have Kevin Durant and James Harden and Kyrie Irving on the floor together at the same time Jake wants Jake wants to see it happen just because he thinks it would be a disaster what do you think?
1: <laughs> well I mean from a a theatrical point of view it would be certainly uh fascinating to watch and see uh, it, on paper, it's it's not very pretty. I, I don't I don't know if James Harden and Kyrie Irving, who are both players who want to make most of the decisions most of the time, are well suited for each other. In fact, I'm not 100% sure that that Kyrie Irving and KD are perfect uh, in fit because you know I anticipate there are going to be times where we're going to see a repeat of what happened with Russell Westbrook. And KD, where there were times where the point guard had the ball and it should have gone to KD, and there was a lot of tension there. And and Kyrie is a very very good player, but he's also a very ball dominant player. And then you take a <laughs> and add in the most ball dominant player in the league. Basically, I don't know about. I'm not looking at the, the analytics, but it, by my by the eye test, certainly uh, you can make the case for it uh, that Harden is not an off the ball player. Uh, he was he, he he was able to play with KD and, and Westbrook. In his younger days, before he became what he's become, which is you know, a very special player, but uh, someone who hasn't had that enough uh, uh, of a postseason run to satisfy his wants. He hasn't gotten to the finals, hasn't won since the Thunder, and hasn't won with the Rockets. I, you know, sure, they'd be giving up something like Karis LeVert, uh, who's a really nice younger scorer. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, and then probably Jared Allen, and then who knows what else? What other kind of draft considerations? And whatnot. I, I don't know if the Rockets would go for all that. You know, from a train wreck point of view, sure it could work. Though I mean, they're, they're, you're talking about three absolutely elite players; they can probably figure it out. I don't want to just say putting good players together isn't isn't going to work. I mean, it could work, but I, I could see you know all, all the, the the same things that you're talking about the the train wreck that it could be. I, I definitely identify with that.
0: Eric, thank you very much for joining us. As always, we uh, we really appreciate it. You got it. Anytime,
1: guys. Appreciate it.
0: That's our friend Eric Pincus uh, from Basketball Insiders. And uh, that was that was really good. I uh, really enjoy his analysis every time he gets a chance to join us.
2: Yeah, he's going to be really busy over the next two yeah. weeks, isn't he? <laughs> yeah.
0: Everybody in the NBA. Yeah, you know, I everybody. Heard, I heard our guy uh, Eric Walden on with Hanson Scotty earlier today talking about how he's going to – uh, be uh, wearing a little thin over the next couple of weeks because they, they are they're they're sandwiching a whole off season into two weeks. Mm-hmm.
2: Pretty nuts. It, it is, and it's it's kind of hard to cover, but but it's uh, it's exciting for fans to be able to see what movements going to happen, and you throw the draft into the middle of it, and what's that going to bring?
0: Right. And we've, you know, Chris Paul trade. Uh, you know, uh, your your guy Dennis Schroeder moved over the weekend to the Lakers. I mean, we've already seen some some players move. So
2: the, the problem with Dennis Schroeder is he is really hard for the Jazz to guard. You know, it's really hard Seems for like, most that, people to guard. Now, I don't have that. I don't have the numbers in front of me right now. But d- doesn't it seem like, if your memory serves? That when you think back to the teams he's played on, when he's on the floor, the Jazz struggle to contain him.
0: Well, he's a great offensive player. It's a, he is one of those players that seems to have uh, big nights against the Jazz, but I don't think it's quite to the who's that uh, Austin? Who was that dude for the Nuggets that that never had a good game in his career, but somehow oh. put up like forty every time he played Linus Claza. Linus Kleza. Yeah, Claesa. yeah. yeah. Claesa. yeah. <laughs> that guy's like the twelfth man <laughs> on the bench. Somehow comes in and puts up thirty. Every time he plays the jazz, that was a that was a pretty crazy one. So all right, more big show coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and twelve eighty the zone.